Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to a bonus episode of We Watch Shudder. My name is Michelle, and who's here with me? The dogs, apparently. Are they barking at your place tonight, Michelle? Apparently, the second we started recording, <laughs> Ellie decided to be a maniac. But who was that second voice? <laughs> oh, it's JD. It's uh, it's always JD, it's guys. It's always JD, and... No matter what, we always have a dog barking at at least one of our homes because we there's have always dogs. dogs involved. We're there's here. Always. We're talking about movies. We got we, uh, we got Riley the Wonder Dog, freshly from the groomers, sitting right here, like he always does, being a total attention whore. Yep, and uh, as you heard, like, we have Elephant at my house being oh, she's loud adorable. as possible. Elephant, she, she, she's, she's just tiny, excited tiny that. Uh, She's just excited that uh, that you just got home, I think, probably, right? Um, Somewhat. Ellie was very excited that John came home, and both of our boy cats were very excited that Ellie came home. It seems that nobody is excited that I am back. <laughs> <laughs> Not even John can be excited that you're back because he was with you the whole time you were gone. I know. He was stuck with me for a whole week. Poor man. <laughs> oh, what a poor. Oh, yeah. that unfortunate. I, I got to take this moment to just say it was a very emotional weekend because I was in Phoenix for a week. Saturday to Saturday. It was a great, beautiful time hanging out with my Uncle Jeff, who got me into horror. So we have a lot in common. He sent me home with some swag. We watched some movies. He will never forgive me for making him watch The Outwaters, which I said was a perfect movie. And he said was the first time that uh, he questioned my taste in movies. So Who, that Jeff? happened. Yeah, Jeff will yeah. never, ever forgive me. Well. He said, wow, that was garbage. And I was like, that was a five skull movie. It's a very uh, uh, it's a very polarizing film, which yes. I mean, frankly, I would rather a movie be very polarizing and be on the not the negative side than for a movie to just be wishy-washy. So, you know, good on them. Agreed. Good on Jeff, too. Anyway, uh, guys. Uh, this is how committed to uh, to our, our craft we are. Michelle literally just got home from a, a week-long vacation, uh, just got off an airplane and arrived home today, like just a few hours ago. Four She's hours already ago. sat down, mm -hmm. watched a movie, and we're recording an episode. Yeah. What are we That's recording this dope. episode about, J.D.? Well, I tell you what, Michelle, uh, this is just an idea I had to throw this out there because I, uh, I was doom scrolling through Twitter on Friday night, you know, like you do, uh, and uh, I saw that uh, Last Drive-In was, uh, was going, and one of the movies they were showing on The Last Drive-In, which of course is a shuttered program, uh, was a movie called Tigers Are Not Afraid, uh, which uh, is an archive Shutter exclusive title. Uh, move as a Mexican film that was originally released in 2017. I think it landed on Shutter in 2019 uh, as an exclusive uh, product. Uh, and I've seen this movie kicking around on Shutter, obviously for a while now, but it's an exclusive from the archives that I had never gotten around to seeing. And uh, people were, like, a lot... They weren't just, like, positive reactions. They were reactions in those in the sense of, like... Like, man, that's one that I always meant to see and just never got around to seeing it. And I'm so glad that you guys p 
put it on the show because I might have never seen it. And as it turns out, it was really fucking rad. Uh, and also, people were talking about how it's a very, uh, like, it's a very moody film, a very sort of sad, and I don't want to say bleak film. I think it is kind of hopeful, ultimately. Anyway, the the way people were talking about it uh, in the Mutant family, uh, uh, the last uh, drive-in fans uh, there on, on Twitter, really made it seem like one that, uh, uh, that I should check out uh, kind of right away. Uh, and we wanted to, uh, so that's what we're doing. Uh, we decided to, uh, to do a quick, uh, bonus drop, uh, and try to catch a little bit of the wave of that conversation that, uh, that Joe, Bob and Darcy, the male girl started up, uh, on the last drive-in. Now, Michelle, if I'm correct here, you had in fact already seen this film once before. Is that correct? It was either once or twice. I okay. know for a fact that I have definitely seen it because it showed up on a list when I was doing my standard Google search of emotionally devastating movies. And if there's yeah. something on that list, I'm going to want to watch it. I love of feeling course. feelings because I am dead inside. Uh, so <laughs> feeling emotions feels nice sometimes. Even if you make me <laughs> oh, so <I> sad. <laughs> I was going to say, except for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which we're not going to spoil, but I will say that as the last Guardian movie could not handle it so between that and this movie i'm not in a good headspace today <laughs> <laughs> well we'll try to get you through it uh so so that's what we're doing we're talking about tigers are not afraid today uh we uh, we looked at the descriptions uh as is often the case the one on the actual shutter website is kind of wordy and a little spoilery so we decided we're going to go with the IMB, IMDB description again uh, for this episode. What does it say there, Michelle? Tell us what we need to know about the movie. So straight from the IMDB, I am, dear God, neither of us can do acronyms today. Nope. Oh, nope. Trying again. Okay, straight from the IMDB website. A dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels and the ghosts created every day by the drug war. Tigers are not afraid. Original title, Wilbin. Wilbin. That's, uh, it just ends there? Yep. It, it is Did a I fragmented sentence, and you know what? It's a uh, it's a bilingual um, movie, <laughs> so it's in Spanish. I'm not going to fault them for not knowing that that's a fragment. It's okay. Sentence. It's okay. So yep. that's the uh, that's the movie, guys. A uh, very simple description there, very straight and to the point. Uh, Michelle, as somebody who had seen this movie at least once before, and then coming back to check it out again, why don't you give us some of your spoiler-free thoughts here? Absolutely. Um, so this movie is constantly compared to Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. And the parallels between this and that are very, very justified. Um, so if you like Pan's Labyrinth and you haven't seen this movie, Tigers Are Not Afraid, you definitely should check it out. Um, I, I also saw hints of Slumdog Millionaire, at least the beginning part of that. Um, there's a lot of deliberate correlations to Peter Pan. Um, this just draws on a lot of popular work already, all of which is also very solid. So I mean, this movie is a five for me. I, I enjoyed it. I was glad that we got to cover it again. I was glad that you had not seen it and that we were going to be able to talk about it because I knew that I already really, really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, this uh, uh, I, everything I started looking at after after seeing the movie, uh, Guillermo del Toro and his earlier works uh, get mentioned uh, almost immediately. And once yeah. you see the film, uh, you can understand why. Uh, this one, I actually personally have you ever seen uh, his film, The Devil's Backbone, from two thousand one? Yes, I don't remember okay, yeah. very much, but I I went through Guillermo's entire catalog at some yeah, point and watched all I, of them. Uh, this one was a little bit more reminiscent of that film to me, uh, but I definitely see the Pan's Labyrinth connections as well, uh, being sort of uh, y- uh, centered around uh, children characters and uh, and the fantastical elements that bleed into reality here. Yeah, uh, I think I, the... Uh, I can, the lead characters are very similar, so that's why yeah. to me it's very pans. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree entirely on just that uh, that basic uh, connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, just to to all of his his earlier things, uh, but this kind of came out of left field for me. It also in its tone uh, reminded me uh, at least a little bit of uh, of a, a movie we talked about uh, right around the end of the year called All the Moons. Uh, I was hoping you'd think of all the moons comparisons. Yeah, it's and and yeah. not just because uh, you know this is a, a Mexican film. All the moons was a, a, a Basque film, uh, but uh, uh, there's uh, there's definitely a, a very uh, morose and somber element. This movie, I don't want to say it's like I said. I, I don't think it's a bleak film. I think it does ultimately present a hopeful message, uh, but it's definitely very grim. Uh, as I, I said to you at one point, knowing you had already seen the film. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I gotta be honest. Um, yeah, uh, Mutant Family Twitter knows what they're talking about. I agree with you. This is a five skull movie. Yes, uh, this the is a uh, double five. This is, uh, th- I, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I, I've been really getting into lately. You know, just some, some real heavy uh emotional things some real ties to actual life experience uh while still doing some uh, some interesting things with uh sort of uh what we would call horror adjacent elements um uh yeah i think this is a fantastic film i'm so glad uh that i uh saw all those tweets and decided i needed to see this movie as soon as possible uh and uh yeah um, side note, by the way, I re- just realized we completely forgot to tell people that, uh, hi, we watch Shudder. <laughs> 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 we got right into it because we're not used to doing this on a Sunday afternoon, evening, whatever it is. It's an off day. If it's this is your first day. time tuning in, <laughs> hi, <laughs> I'm JD, that's Michelle. Yeah, we hi, watch Shudder and then we talk about it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, so well, yeah, that's a that's a perfect five skull movie here on uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid, and uh, we're definitely going to dig into it deeper here. Uh, but uh, as, as we always do, we'll we'll give those people who want to go see the movie before we spoil it a very clear point here to hit that pause button. And honestly, uh, uh, this movie definitely qualifies as I think more in the horror adjacent category. It has some elements that lean towards horror, but at no point do I think it becomes sort of like, it's not intensely scary or grotesque in any way. Uh, this is one that I think even those among you with, uh, with uh, maybe a little bit more squeamish or, or whatnot, definitely check this out. This is a fantastic movie. 
go see it before we tear it apart. Should okay, now pause? we're going to tear it apart. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I hope, just making I sure hope we you went to my... watch it. Cause... I hope, I, man, I really hope you went to watch it. Michelle, mm-hmm. uh, do us all that thing you do where you tell us all about uh, the plot of this movie for those fools who didn't go watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. So Estrella is a little girl living in Mexico where the cartel runs rampant and school is canceled indefinitely after there is a, uh, I guess, like a drug war or some sort of shooting happening there. And her teacher gives her three pieces of chalk and tells her that these uh, three pieces of chalk will grant her a wish. Um, Before the shooting happened, they had been writing fairy tales for class. So uh, Issa, no, not Issa, that's the director. Sorry, Estrella had been uh, writing her own fairy tale and then this movie kind of brings those fantastical elements into the rest of it. Uh, Estrella goes home and her mother is missing and her mother does not return and it's pretty much assumed that uh, her mother was taken by the local gang and she is hungry and a little boy named Shiny uh, breaks into her house and she follows Shiny back to his uh, band of lost children um, and she tries to be part of their group and they are very reluctant to welcome her in. Um, Shiny says that Estrella can stay if she goes and she kills uh, the man who... Caco! Yeah, yeah, Caco. Caco? Caco. Caco, Uh, like Paco, but with a C. Gotcha, Caco. Okay, so if she kills Caco, then uh, she can stay. So she had used one of those pieces of chalk in order to wish that her mother would come back. And now her mother is a ghost uh, telling her to bring the men uh, who wronged her, I guess, back to the mom. Um, bring him to yeah, us. Bring him to me, which is where I think the original uh, <laughs> title of Welvin comes in because that does mean come back. Uh, and it's interesting that they change it so much when they went with the English title. Um, but yeah. It, it's strange to me. That was one thing I noted. But anyway, uh, so she had used her first wish in order to do that. Her second wish is uh, when she's standing there with a gun to the head of uh, Kako, then she wishes that she didn't have to kill him and he is already dead. Um, and then she finds uh, one of the little boys who had been taken by Kako and that's why uh, Shiny wanted him dead. And she finds a couple other little boys and everybody goes free. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff that happens, uh, in the in-between, but basically Shiny had taken a gun from, uh, Kako and it turns out that Kako had, uh, filmed the lead, uh, guy whose name is escaping me right this second. Chino. 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 Yes. Uh, had filmed Chino killing somebody. And then it turns out that Chino had been killing, uh, Estrella's mother, and oh god, there's so much going on that I'm trying also, to sum up. Also, Chino is uh, a politician. Uh, the, the, yeah, is the alter ego of a very famous local politician. Yeah, uh, who also turns out to be a yeah. This is a dense movie. I know that's why I'm here. like, oh god, I don't want to spend ten minutes summing it up. But uh, sure. near the end, uh, her ghost mother has been telling her to uh, bring the man uh, back to her, and. <sighs> There's a little boy who gets killed, and then there's another little boy that gets killed, and a lot happens, but 
in the end, Estrella uh, winds up luring Chino into a room where her dead mother and several other bodies are. And a Chinese ghost also goes in there and lights the place on fire. And then Estrella sees a tiger and then she walks off into a meadow, which I thought was a metaphor for none of this actually happened in the fantasy is that she died. But apparently, no, it's just a symbolism, symbolism of her freedom. I had to go look that up to make sure because it was either going to be a very bleak or a very hopeful ending. I needed to make sure that I interpreted it correctly because my brain always goes with the bleak one. But no, it was a symbolism of freedom. So thank God for that. There was something enlightening and happy in this goddamn movie and i I, I, that's interesting because that's definitely the impression i got uh at the end there uh i i did for a a split second uh wonder if if that was supposed to be some sort of like death metaphor uh but i just um i honestly i just said to myself you know i don't feel like that's what this movie would have been trying to say, and so I just kind of saw it as this this hopeful kind of uh, symbolic uh, escape from uh, this tyrannical nightmare world that she had been living in. Um, I thought this movie, first of all, as you said, this is there's a lot going on here in these 83 minutes. Also, shout out, it's only 83 minutes, and there is. A lot that happens here. Uh, first of all, it is uh, uh, it's this movie is heavy at times. Um, as Michelle mentioned, uh, there are at least uh, two children. Uh, children, and when I say children, I mean like like I I don't think uh, the oldest of them is maybe eleven or twelve years old. I know the. Uh, the lead, uh, the lead uh, female Estrella uh, is supposed to be ten years old in this film, uh, and so we're talking about like, like the little boy Moro. Let, let's just d- jump right into this. Some of this, this to me was the hardest of the two, and they're both real hard. Uh, but they're trying to uh, to save each other from this awful adult. Uh, human trafficking drug cartel uh, member, uh, and one of the they they have a gun that they had gotten a hold of, and this little boy who's the youngest of all of them, the kid can't be more than like seven years old. He's the one that had gotten kidnapped earlier that they saved. Uh, he gets this gun and he shoots one of these gangsters, uh, to protect his friend, and this other gangster. In just a moment of, like, pure, cold, stark, like, for me, the kind of shit that just rattles your bones, just turns and puts a bullet in this kid like it's nothing. Like, it's one of the most immediate, just cold, blunt child murders I've ever seen in a film and I think that's really saying something uh I I would have seen it as so much more exploitational if this wasn't so well done as a presentation of uh what I have to assume is is uh, a very real element of of 
the culture that this film comes out of. Uh, I thought it was a, an, a the same way Guillermo del Toro uh, has done a lot for that uh, that Franco uh, regime era of of Spanish history and, and Mexican history. Uh, this I think does a very similar thing for for modern uh, urban uh, Mexican uh, like like children and and life and and what they're dealing with. Uh, and man, that, like, when that little, when little Moro got blasted, man, I had to stop this movie for a minute. What about you? I am desensitized to things, so I was upset, but did not need to pause and take a moment. Um, what hit me a little bit more was the second fucking grim child death, right at the moment where things are starting to feel a little bit hopeful, and you're starting to wonder, is magic real? And they're having this nice touching moment, and then he gets fucking shot, and he's killed immediately. Um, yeah, the fact that it- there were two very, very... I don't know what you'd call it, but like that was a child death. It was not like a child dying off screen. It was right in your face is, oh man, you think you recovered from the really sad, like the tiniest of this group is the one who took it first. And you're so Mm -hmm. sad and grieving and you felt like you knew this child just from the short time that we spent together. And then it happens again. Um, it's, it's upsetting. Uh, I had read this quote after watching this the first time. So now that we were covering it, I did have to go find a couple of the articles I had previously read so I could get you a couple quotes from the director, Issa Lopez. Um, this is the one that I had to go find. It was from her vulture interview and she had said that she likes a movie that starts bleak, gets bleaker and then ends in hell. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she nailed it and I also feel like we have similar movie interests Issa um, because I like that too and your movie <laughs> falls into that category and reading that quote is one of the reasons I had to go look up like ends in hell oh god did the little girl not survive <laughs> right. because knowing that it. I was like oh dear god I have to go look was there hope at the end of this but this just it keeps coming and like yep. you said it's it's based in this uh, this reality of you know this isn't trying to tell you a horror story for the sake of being scary it's telling you a horror story for the sake of awareness of a real issue and that is always way more terrifying and horrific than something you know just fantastical this is based in reality and it's really upsetting for a lot of different reasons yeah for sure uh i think what is also real heavy uh, about that, uh, that second, uh, the second death when when uh, Shina gets uh, gets shot, uh, it's tied in with her making her third wish, right? Mm-hmm. So for her first wish, um, she wishes for her mother to come back, and her mom comes back, but not at all the way she intended. Uh, immediately hitting us with this "be very careful what you wish for" uh, theme, and then. Uh, she wishes that uh, she, uh, he, again, doesn't wish that Kako doesn't have to die. She very specifically wishes, I wish that I didn't have to kill him. Uh, and then it just ends up he still died. And so she has then says to, when they're talking about the wishes, she says, uh, like, I don't know what to wish for. 
uh, or I don't know if I should even use it because every time I've used one of the other ones, it's uh, like I've gotten what I wish for, but it's been a very, very like something very bad has happened, right? And and uh, uh, the shiny uh, wants to uh, he's got a burn on his face, uh, and he would like to have that burn removed, and and uh, and that's why she what she says she says you know I I don't. Uh, I, I don't know if I should wish for that because I don't know I don't know what would happen. Uh, and then in a moment of very you, you know what she's really saying is, yeah, but I, I may need to use that wish for something for myself. And then in this beautiful moment where you're caught up in them being children in a hellscape that you could never imagine, uh, just a, a hellish day to day life. Uh, in a moment of pure selflessness uh, to make that... Because there's always been conflict between the two of them. They've never quite gelled. In that moment of just pure selflessness, she even herself forgets what's happening here uh, and wishes uh, not for something for herself, but wishes to take his burn away. And they take his burn away by shooting him in the fucking face. What the fuck, man? <laughs> like, what a punch in the balls for this girl. It's just like, oh shit, no, that's not like. And these wishes were given to her by her teacher in the scene up front. Like, that is a bleak theme there. It's like, oh, these these people have instilled you with hope and the ability to dream, but maybe that was the worst fucking mistake of all. Like, there is heavy, heavy shit going on here. Um... There was another thing that I had read, because uh, like I said, because I'd seen this before, I was able to go brush up on a couple things. And one thing that, you know, I'm not from Mexico, I am from the upper Midwest, so very, very different uh, culture that I grew up in. Um, but tigers down in Mexico represent a lot of things that they don't hear. Uh, for us, tigers are, you know beautiful cats that we sometimes see in the zoo. Uh, down there, they represent um, a lot of strength and resilience. Um, so the tiger becomes such this huge symbol throughout. You know, that's why tigers are not afraid. Uh, that's why uh, Shiny makes his little graffiti of tigers. That's why uh, Estrella is writing her story about tigers. And the movie ends with, we are princes, we are warriors and tigers. And tigers are not afraid, which... Gave me goosebumps. And also, fuck a horror movie that makes me cry. Come on. <laughs> Don't you <laughs> yeah, dare. No but it, oh man, I, like I said, it was an emotional weekend. I'm feeling very, uh, very raw today. But, um, you know, that is all symbolism that was a little bit lost on me until I, I got to read it last time. Um, and so watching this with that in mind a little bit more, the second watch or potentially third, I don't remember. I think probably second. Um, but, oh, man, it just it hits you harder that this was such a, a revenge story in a way. And she winds up getting that at the end, um, that everything is so awful. But at least that gang was taken out by Chino, just like he said it would be. And all her friends are dead and her mom's not coming back. 
Yeah, I. Uh, that's another thing where I, I wanted to bring up here uh, that I, I mentioned to you before. We uh, we don't typically talk much about the movie before we come in uh, and and discuss it on the show, but there were just some moments that I, I couldn't hold back. Uh, there's that whole sequence where they, you know, Chino is trying to get this phone from them for the whole movie, and finally they contact him. They're like, look. Just meet us. We'll give you the phone. They get this whole deal set up. And everything you know in your soul from every time you've ever seen anything like this in any movie ever is these kids are going to show up and they're all going to die. It's going to be a setup and Chino's going to kill them all. He's a liar and a, and a, a devil. And they get there, and they give him the phone, and he shoots his own dudes and just tells the kids to leave. Which is just out of the blue. What are you fucking... And what hit me then from that is... Are they trying to tell us... That all of this shit they've gone through in the first two-thirds of this movie could have been avoided if they had just given the phone back immediately? Like, this is a guy who's not going to kill these kids. He just legitimately wants that phone. Jesus Christ, that's dark. That is some grim shit. I, just, I, was, I was really taken aback by that whole moment. And then, of course... It turns out that uh, that shiny double crossed him and he figures it out and then it comes back and it's even worse and whatever. But that moment was just wild to me. Never in a million years did I expect all those kids were going to walk away from that meetup. It that wasn't was even nuts. it wasn't even a good phone. It wasn't like the latest iPhone model that he wanted. <laughs> he wanted like this shitty phone. Just go buy a new one. Hey, it had it, it's that content, Michelle. It's not I'm about the phone aware. itself. It's about the I'm content. trying <laughs> to alleviate the grimness and the sadness that is in my heart from this yeah. movie. Uh, <laughs> Oof, let's that. not uh, let's not forget though that this was a it, it is definitely a horror adjacent film. You know, it centers around uh, uh, spirits and ghosts coming back from the dead. Uh, and is ultimately a revenge story, and I like how they take that typical, uh, uh, you know, uh, unquiet spirit, uh, if you will, revenge story, and tie it in with this idea of these are all victims of this uh, of this cartel that is just uh, destroying these small towns and these people uh, in uh, in Mexico. And I, uh, I really enjoyed those elements. I thought there's that one shot where she puts the, uh, the empty cup noodle cup up to her ear to listen to it. And that fucking hand comes out of it and like tickles her <laughs> face. I thought that was great. Uh, that sequence, I don't know what it is about the creepy hands in this, but when she's sitting on that floor grate and then all of them zombie dead people hands come reaching up out of the floor at her and grabbing it shit. I thought that was really well done. Uh, when it does go for those moments, I thought it was pretty effective. Didn't you? Yes. <laughs> well, 
stunning <laughs> input, Michelle. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't have a lot more to add. You're much better at putting things into words, and I'm better at going, what the fuck, over and over again. Yeah, it's the... It's, uh, oh, it, man. I, I just really enjoyed uh, the way this movie layered its themes on top of each other, uh, the way it... Uh, uh, it's it's very much about uh, grim things without being completely nihilistic. Uh, I love the little moments of humor in here. Uh, like one of my favorite scenes was after uh, uh, poor uh, Moro uh, gets killed. Uh, uh, Estrella is sitting on the swing set uh, and his ghost with the little tiger who's now uh, uh, alive... Uh, it, it just shows up there in the swing set as well. Uh, and they have that exchange where he says, uh, they're burying me. And she sa- doesn't say anything. And then he says, I feel cold. And she says, where? And he says, all over. And she says, no, I mean, where are they burying you? And he's like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like just this, this very silly just absurd exchange in the middle of this very kind of sad and dark moment. Uh, there are a couple of, of moments of things like that where uh, they remind you that these are still kids. And even still through all of this bleakness and grimness and darkness and nightmare, uh, they're still finding things to laugh at. And they're still trying to have fun with the existence that they have when they can afford to have it. And I thought that was great. I uh, I just, I love, apparently none of these kids had any acting experience at all going into this movie. I don't fucking believe it. Because <laughs> these are some of the best child performers I've ever seen. This whole cast was fabulous. That's impossible because uh, Paola Lara, who played the uh, main character, has two things listed before this movie on her IMDb. So. Okay, so maybe not the whole cast, but <laughs> I, I think like uh, most of the... Uh... I was going to say, Moro was probably like just born and then was like, <laughs> I'm here now, let's make a movie because he was very young. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just, this was so, so well done. I loved every bit of this. Uh, I look forward to seeing it again. Um, what else? There was other things. Oh, I love the graffiti element that's tied into this. Uh, there's those. They they're they're constantly uh, showing you uh, graffiti art of these kids doing uh, like making representations of themselves, uh, but also like they're. It lends this almost slightly animated character to this because there are layers of this graffiti and this style of graffiti all over this film. And you slowly start to realize that, like, this isn't just one artist, right? Like, this is a local style that has been adopted by a lot of people. And then you start to wonder if maybe it's not in some ways uh, used as a way for uh, these kids to uh, maybe communicate with each other on certain basic levels, or even just from a from a a, 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 a cinematic standpoint, uh, just this constant element 
uh, in the background of uh, even in the the trenches of this cartel ravaged city. Uh, these kids are all still trying to make their mark somewhere. I, I thought that was super cool as well. I like the part where they had the graffiti of the dog pooping. <laughs> <laughs> we have different interests. <laughs> oh, no, I, so oh, this this movie wrecked me, and I I I yeah. need some levity to my situation. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's real heavy, but uh, again, I I agree. I think it does ultimately present a uh, a hopeful uh, uh, ideal. Uh, and it's really intense, and I think uh, if you haven't seen it and you just listen to us ruin all that good stuff, well, shame on you, but you should still go see it. Uh, I am so glad that this found its way onto the last drive-in and that so many people in the, uh, the Twitter Mutant family were, uh, uh, were hyped on it and, and talking about it. Uh, because I ha- I like I've been aware of this movie. I rec I, the name stands out, right? That's a name you see and makes you go, hmm, "What could that be about?" Uh, and so it's always been in the background as something that I've I've been like, "I'll come back and check that out again sometime." And I finally found an excuse to check it out, and this movie was so so good. I had a great time watching this film. I wouldn't say I had a great time. I had a sad time with a quality film. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, there's not. I don't have the appropriate vocabulary to explain how, like, I like you enjoyed it, but you didn't enjoy it. Enjoy it. What? I, we need a word yeah. for that, Michelle. There's probably a German word for it that I can't think of, but there's. Uh, you could just call it every movie on Michelle's favorite movie list, <laughs> where exactly. you don't enjoy it but you will watch it many times and give it a high score. <laughs> right. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's psychological upsetting. masochism. <laughs> yeah, but it's also beautiful at the same time. How do they For do sure. that? For sure. <sighs> so, Michelle, this was a special yeah. bonus episode that we just decided to record out of the blue. Uh, mm-hmm. If we got some people here still listening, what is our next On Purpose episode going to be? I don't know how to pronounce it for sure yet, but it will be Husera, the Bone Woman. That comes out on Shudder May 12th, and we will watch the movie on May 12th and then drop our episode at uh, 12.31, um, May 13th. Yes. Um, So stay tuned for that one. That one's actually one that had already been on my list that I wanted to check out. Um, as well as the one that comes out on the 19th, Consecration. So actually, Influencer was technically also on my list. So I'm excited for everything that May has to offer. That doesn't mean that they're going to be good. I hope they will be good, but you never know. Uh, horror can be vo- both very hot and cold. Um, hey. But dear God, I, I had all three on my list, and I really hope as, that they uh, As fun. I am... Uh... As I am uh, want to say, we'll all find out together. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> new movie drops every week for the rest of the week uh, or the rest of the month uh, here. Uh, we watch Shutter. Uh, you can get the full schedule on our website. We watch Shutter dot com. It's actually up there now. I promise. Uh, it's there. Um, you can check us out on the social medias: uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All of those at We Watch Shutter is where you'll find us. Uh, you can drop us an email, mail at wewatchshutter.com. You can give me a phone call, 701-4... Well, that's probably not a good idea to give out your phone number on the uh, on the podcast. 
we got Time Bomb Pro Wrestling coming up on Thursday night once again. Uh, are you excited, Michelle? I didn't realize that was this Thursday until I looked at my calendar today to prepare for my work week. And, oh, my God, <laughs> where is my life gone, J.D.? Where I know. Where is it gone? I We're know. in May it's 2023. Wild. But I do have to say that I am glad that Time Bomb Pro Wrestling comes out on Thursday because Friday... You will be so lucky if I am able to stop what I'm doing and even record with you. And you and the rest of the We Watch Shutter fan base um, can feel very honored because that is the day that Tears of the Kingdom comes out. And I will be <laughs> MIA. No one will hear from me for months. I found I all be... of the Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild. That will be my life. I might be recording solo for a while is what you're saying here, huh? I will prop up a pillow with a smiley face and I will put that on the webcam so that you at least have somebody She's there gonna... with you. But I will be in my basement in the dark, just That's engulfed in, in, in the Legend of Zelda. Uh, hey, side note, by the way, I mentioned our website, WeWatchShutter.com, just a moment ago. Uh, we have a lot of different sections up there. We've got the Squelch Files where Michelle has gone through and harvested literally hundreds of images of squelching subtitles from... Uh, uh, from various movies, squelching the greatest subtitle of all time. Also on there, we have our ghoul blog. Shout out to the Shutter Ghoul Log. It's a whole thing, multi-level referential stuff. Some of you get it, some of you don't. It's fine. Anyway, uh, on the ghoul blog just released today, uh, I went on a little sort of stream of consciousness uh, nostalgia trip uh, using my experience with the Evil Dead franchise films. Uh, as kind of guideposts to just tell a little bit of a story and look back on some things that have happened in my 43 years and also uh, talk a little bit about the brand new movie Evil Dead Rise. You can check that out uh, on the Ghoul blog uh, right now. Michelle, when's your next Ghoul blog coming out? Uh, whenever you watch uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, because I'm <laughs> okay, still fair enough. I'll get to it as soon as I can. <laughs> I have a lot to say. I, I still need to see Bo's Afraid. Oh, don't even get me started about all the movies that are currently oh. out. On the plane, I got to watch John Wick, John Wick 2, and part of John Wick 3. So I'm basically caught up on the John Wick family. And now John Wick Chapter 4 is on my list to go see. I have to go see Bo is Afraid, which I have heard is incredible. But it's three yeah, it's goddamn hours. Anymore. Yeah, and it's I, not playing here anymore. It's already gone. I know, but I'll find it. You know I'm well, really good at tracking will. things down. I got the hookups. All right. All right. Well, um, we're at 42 minutes on this special bonus episode, and we've hit all the important points, and this damn dog's starting to get rambunctious. So what do you say we wrap it up? Say goodnight, Michelle. Good night, Michelle.